0: Good morning, everyone. I'm excited. I'm Brev Reisman. I'm excited to be here today to speak uh, for graduation Sunday. I'm the director of youth ministry here at Twin Falls Reformed Church, and I get the privilege of getting to know these seniors, or many of these seniors, and uh, watching them grow in their relationship with Jesus. So it's a bittersweet day for me because I've seen so many of them grow, and I've loved working with them, but it's also time to send them out and to do what God's called them to do. So if you wouldn't mind, I would love it if you'd pray with me really quick as we pray for our seniors. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come here this morning and and celebrate the accomplishment that these students have just accomplished. Uh, Thank you for all you've done for them and for everything they've achieved. You've stood beside them, guiding them all the years, Lord. I pray that you continue to be with them as they head into this new chapter Life as they know it is about to look a lot different, maybe even overwhelming at times. But never let them forget or get distracted from what's gotten them through everything they've accomplished, and that's you, Lord. Let these students continue to feel your presence and have your strength with them as they head off to discover who they are and what they want to do with their lives. I ask for your guidance and discernment as they face complicated decisions and grow into the Christ followers you desire them to be. We love you, God, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. We've all had moments or seasons in our life where we're given more freedom. Maybe it was when we got our driver's license in high school, or when we graduated high school and moved on to college and stayed up till 3 in the morning. Maybe it was getting that first career job and having disposable income. I'm not there yet, but it might be... Ret- <laughs> That's actually funny. I didn't mean it there. But, uh, <laughs> sorry. Anyways, or maybe it is uh, retirement or becoming an empty nester. Either way, throughout life, we're going to have a lot of periods where we're facing new freedoms that we're given. Now, one of my most memorable encounters with increased freedom happened in my uh, freshman's first semester of college. You see, I took a class called Math 99. Now for those of you wondering, aren't college courses usually 101? That's because I technically didn't pass the entry level math test, so I had to take pre-college algebra. And the funny thing with that is, as I started going through the first semester, I was like, man, this class is really easy. That's because I learned it the year before. So. With this increased freedom that I had in college, I decided, since I know this stuff, I'm just going to quit going to class. And I'll just show up for the tests. Foolproof, right? It's going to work. I'm going to be able to sleep in in the mornings. It was all great. I was passing the class. That was until the final came. So when when finals approached, What I did is I checked my syllabus and said, okay, so finals, first hour, okay, noon. Got to be there at noon. Now what happened is apparently the math and science departments uh, go on a different schedule than everyone else. So when I showed up at noon for my final, I walk in there confidently, and it's an empty room. I'm like, where is everybody? And my teacher gives me this look. Oh, Brett, sweetie. It was two hours ago, you missed your final. My heart sunk and I, I, I get anxious really easy and I was just, I was freaking out because it's my first semester in college and I'm gonna fail a class that technically isn't even a college level class. <laughs> I was like, my mom is gonna kill me. She's never gonna let me go to school again. But here's the thing, I, it all ended up good for those worried. I passed the class of flying colors, I got a C minus. And, uh, you know, never look back. But I think oftentimes we're given freedom in life. And with that freedom, we find ourselves testing the boundaries. Maybe even we take advantage of the freedoms that we're given. This concept applies to our everyday life. But it also applies to our lives as a Christ follower. You see, we were given the ultimate gift of freedom. By Jesus dying and raising from the dead and saving us through grace. That is the ultimate freedom that we have on a daily basis. Yet for some reason, we can take advantage of that sometimes. If you have your Bible, would you please turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 13 through 26. If you wouldn't mind standing with me, we're going to stand up and read God's word. Uh, We face the center of the room to remind each other that Scripture is to be central to our lives. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles located in the back of the room. Feel free to go grab one of those. You probably have to sprint because we're about to read. But uh, We have Emmett Demlow reading our scripture for the day. So Emmett, whenever you're ready, go ahead and get started, bud. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free,
1: but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and
0: envying each other. Thanks, Emmett. You guys can all be seated. Thank you. This passage addresses a trap it's easy to fall into as a Christian. Verse 13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. The trap we fall into is using that freedom that we have in Christ to indulge in the flesh. You see, there's this common thought or belief that freedom is getting to do what we want whenever we want it. But I would argue that freedom is really having the choice to do what is right, even when it's not what you want to do. Because of our salvation through grace, we oftentimes get in this God-will-forgive-me mode. I'm sure we've all been there. I know I've been there. Where instead of doing what God wants in our lives, we give in to our own wants and desires. When we indulge in the flesh, everything becomes me-centric, self-serving. Instead of doing what it says in the passage, to humbly serve as Jesus modeled. There's an element of irony in this, in this trap. When we find our freedom through giving into our desires, through giving into the flesh, instead of getting freedom, we become slaves to it. It says in Romans chapter 6 that verse 16 says, "Don't, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves you are slaves of the one you obey. Whether you are slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. When we find ourselves living a life where we're obedient to our desires, to the flesh, we become slaves to it. There's a conflict between the flesh and the spirit. And in this passage, in verse 16 and 17, it gives us a way that we can potentially fight The desires of the flesh. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Paul paints a picture that there's an innate conflict between the two. They're opposites, they're polar opposites fighting against each other. When Paul mentions the flesh, What he's referring to is what we're all capable as humans. Although we have the Holy Spirit with us, without the divine intervention of God's Spirit, we are still capable of sin. Now when talking about the Spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit that we accept into our our lives when when we put our faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps to lead us and empowers us to live the life that God has called us to live. Now, although we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, there's still that sinful body it resides in. As great as God is in our lives and the Holy Spirit does what it does in us, we still live in a sinful world and in a sinful body. So when we give into the flesh, we are giving into those sinful desires and habits that used to rule us before we accepted Jesus. Now, the conflict and relationship between the spirit and the flesh remind me a lot of a concept in sports you see a lot called muscle memory. Now, the concept of muscle memory is that you do an action so many times that it just becomes like second nature to you. An example of this is uh, growing up, I learned a little bit about basketball from my dad. And we might have practiced a little bit. And I had this really bad habit where when I would shoot, I would stick my elbow out. Now, for any of you shooting purists, that's a big no-no, okay? So, the reason I did that was because as a little boy, I wasn't strong enough to push the ball up to the hoop. But as I got older, as I practiced, as I was diligent and working on my game, surely enough, I developed the greatest-looking left-hand shot in the state of Idaho. (laughs) At least most of the time, all right? But here's the thing. Even though... I had and have the prettiest left-hand shot in the state of Idaho, there's still moments when I'm playing, when I'm tired, when I haven't been practicing, when I'm not being as diligent, that that old muscle memory slips back. And that's what the flesh does to us. You see, like my shot, it doesn't define me anymore, my old muscle memory, but it's still there, waiting to come out. And the flesh doesn't rule us when we have Jesus in our lives. But it's still there, and it's still going to be a struggle that we have to deal with occasionally. We can avoid indulging in the flesh and honor the freedom that we have in Jesus through walking by the Spirit. But in order to do that, it's important that we know what it looks like, first and foremost, to indulge the flesh, but then how to walk in the Spirit. In verses 19 and 21, Paul writes on the acts of the flesh. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those of you that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Although there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit, it, it's internal, but it shows itself externally through what we do, what we say, and how we act. Something interesting about these acts of the flesh that I found was that they could be categorized in almost four different categories. There's sensual sins, there's worship sins, there's interpersonal sins, and then there's social sins. Now, I would argue that all of us on one level or another probably struggle more with one of these four. Maybe it's the sensual sins. Maybe, maybe we struggle with sexual immorality or impurity or debauchery. Maybe we struggle with worship sins. And scripture it says idolatry and witchcraft, but maybe those are worldly beliefs. Interpersonal sins, maybe we struggle with hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, envy. And lastly, the social sins, drunkenness, orgies, and indulging in any activities that are excessive. As you look at this list, do you find any aspects of the flesh that are rapid in your life? I know I see some in mine. Do you find yourself struggling with one of these categories? We have a greater idea of what it looks like to struggle with the flesh, and what the, but what does it look like to walk by the Spirit? Right? We want the right answer. We, we know what's bad now. We want to know what to do. In verses 22 and 23, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Paul is saying that you can tell you're living by the Spirit if your life displays the fruit of the Spirit. Once again, you can tell what's going on internally if what's happening externally reflects that. Now, I think it's, it's a challenge when you look at both of these because I find myself sometimes relating with more of the acts of the flesh than of the fruit of the Spirit. Something I found interesting when, when studying this was that he uses the word fruit, not fruits. When I, when I read this on first glance, I have a tendency to be like, oh, those are all the fruits of the Spirit. Right? Like you can be pace, peaceful, you can be uh, joyful, you can have love. But no, he's using it in a singular context. Which means that all of those aspects of the fruit of the Spirit make up one fruit. Almost like an apple is smooth, sweet, juicy, and crispy all in the same. Paul's saying that we should not just reflect one or two or three of these things But if we have Jesus in our lives and we are living by the Spirit, we should have all these things as a byproduct. Is there an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that maybe needs ripening in your life? Do we need to find more love? Do we need to find more joy? Do we need to find more peace? There's an interesting contrast that can be noticed when you compare... The flesh versus the spirit. And that is that when listing all the characteristics, all of the ones that have to do with the flesh are centered on ourselves. Very selfish. And all of the fruit of the spirit impact others and make a difference in the world. That brings us back to the first couple verses of the passage where it says, that we are to serve one another humbly in love, fulfilling the greatest commandment to love our neighbor. You hear that, and doesn't that sound a lot like Jesus? You see, the more we walk by the Spirit, the greater we start to act and emulate Jesus. Graduates in congregation, I want to challenge you to think of the lists for both the acts of the flesh. And the fruits of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit. Which one reflects you most? Are you showing Jesus through what you're doing? Are you showing our flesh nature? As I said earlier, as I reflected upon it this week, there's moments where I sure do feel like I have a lot more of the flesh to deal with. But the question is, am I okay with that? Am I content with that? Are you content with that? Are we content with living a life more devoted to the flesh? Or is it worth pursuing living by the Spirit? To emulate Jesus in all we do, to rely on Him. it's important that we remember we've been given the ultimate freedom and we get that freedom every day because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. We have the ability to go out and show who we are, show who Jesus is. Are we willing to take that challenge? It's easy to fall into the trap and take advantage of the grace we've been given but we're called to so much more than that. It's my hope for all of us that as we encounter what the world has to offer, we don't neglect this ultimate freedom that we've been given and instead, uh, show our faith in Jesus by avoiding the trap and walking by the spirit. Graduates and congregation, I think this room has so much potential. And I think to live out our maximum potential, it's going to take us lessening the effect of the flesh in our lives and pursuing walking by the Spirit. Pray with me. God, I thank you so much for for being able to come up here today and share your word. I thank you for the wisdom it gives us and for the inspiration it gives us. Lord, I thank you so much for these graduates and for everyone in this room that are about to enter a world with new freedoms, God, help them remember through all of the chaos that life can bring us sometimes that it is the ultimate freedom that we live for, Lord. And that we don't invest in the ways of the flesh, but instead we give into the Spirit, Lord, that we follow the Spirit and try to reflect you through all of it. Be with us this week, Lord. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let me leave you with this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Everyone said, amen. Amen.